0: Welcome to Episode 48 of the Steptoe Cyberlaw Podcast and the first of 2015, brought to you by Steptoe and Johnson. Thank you for joining us. We're lawyers talking about technology, security, privacy, and government. And I'm joined today uh, by several people. Uh, Michael Vattis, um, uh formerly with the FBI and the Justice Department, now in our New York office. Michael uh, uh, what are you uh, doing these days what what now that you're back what's your uh, uh, taking up your time? Uh,
1: mainly I'm recovering from ten straight days of skiing with a four and a six year old but um, other than that I've got a, I'm actually representing someone in a college disciplinary hearing this week uh,
0: so Usually you can keep up with the six-year-olds. It's when they get to be eight or nine that you can't keep up, right?
1: It's a a lot of pushing them around uh, on the traverses to get to the chairlift that, that saps all the energy. Yeah, I highly
0: recommend this uh the harnesses, not because uh, because you can pick them up and their their legs dangle in the right uh, uh more or less the right direction uh, uh and especially getting on the uh, uh lift, you need that. Uh I'm also joined by Jason Weinstein, uh, formerly with the Justice Department where he oversaw criminal computer crime prosecutions, now doing civil and criminal litigation here uh Jason, uh, um, did you go skiing, too?
2: I did not go skiing. I went to the beach instead. Um, Very had prudent. I <laughs> had little trouble running around uh, after my, my little ones. Um, so I'm working on uh, several white-collar matters that are pretty uh, active. And, and also, Michael and I are getting set to do a data breach simulation, a tabletop exercise for a client, which is an increasingly popular service uh, that we're offering in the wake of target and home depot and sony and some other high profile breaches
0: that's great and you have to update the script every week that's right uh and stephanie roy who's a partner in our telecom internet and media group here in dc uh, stephanie what's uh keeping you busy
3: well, uh, FCC has been kind enough to, uh, lay out a very busy schedule. They, uh, we, there's still. Net the neutrality next. Net neutrality month, next month are looking, uh, <clears throat> looks like. That's the, that's what we're hearing. And, uh, we're still in the middle of the Comcast Time Warner Cable transaction and DirecTV AT&T. We're in the ex parte process for Comcast Time Warner Cable. And then, uh, replies are due in DirecTV AT&T on Wednesday. So, and, uh, we filed a, an appellate brief on January 2nd. Thank you, FCC, for that schedule. And uh, okay, but I, I'm, uh, I'm already ready for a nap. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's Well, I am too. Uh, so I'm so glad January's come around. Uh, but yes, uh, uh, we've been pretty busy.
0: Great. Uh, our guest commentator today, who's going to be joining in, I hope most of the, through most of the discussion, is Jim Lewis senior fellow and director from the of the strategic technologies programs at CSIS uh, where he writes on technology security in the international economy and with whom I've worked on a number of reports uh, and who really is the uh, uh, the The principal think tank resource on uh, cybersecurity issues.
1: Uh, He's also a podcast podcast recidivist.
0: Yes, that's right. He's been here
1: before. Oh,
0: that's right Yes, yes. Uh, it, uh, <coughs> for your crimes. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Uh, your 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 way with quotes has brought you back. Uh, um, uh, that's remarkable, considering you were at both the Departments of State and Commerce uh, before uh, um, uh, leaving uh, to join the think tank world uh, and. Uh, But what is keeping you busy?
4: Oh, not a lot right now. I'm just yeah. trying to figure out what I've left undone when I left on the 24th. You just you just walk out. That is that is, yeah. that
0: is uh, yeah, a, a uh, liberating move. Uh, Get <laughs>
4: the battery out of the cell phone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, there's lots of reasons to do that, uh, but you can yeah. pretend it's cybersecurity. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and I'm Stuart Baker, uh, formerly with the NSA and DHS, record holder for stepped out to practice law more times than any other lawyer, and I am am uh still recovering from two uh, big Cepheus matters that had to uh close by uh, uh December 31 one of which actually did uh, uh so let's get started uh i'm going to oh, we, we're making a few changes uh We've decided to drop this week in an NSA and just uh, fold the NSA uh, the news in with all the others since it's uh, now no more likely than the FBI to be in the, the headlines. Uh, um, so what I thought I'd just do is roll through a bunch of headlines and ask people, uh, is this new or is it just more of the same? Should we care? Uh, so uh, let me pick a few. Uh, fingerprint phone locks won't protect you from the police. Michael, uh, uh, any surprises there?
1: No, no surprise there. Uh, You know, courts have consistently said that uh, generally police can't force you to give up a passcode or a password uh, to unlock your phone or or a document on a computer, but they can force you to put your thumbprint on it because fingerprints are not considered testimonial. So this is something I've actually... I don't know why, but I've taught my kids that if they want to access my cell phone, they can just do it while I'm asleep by pressing my iPhone against my thumb, and and they can open it up, and they think that's really funny. (laughs) Well, it's better than putting your hand in warm water.
0: (laughs) Okay, here's another one. Google faces $18 million fine from Dutch privacy watchdog. Uh, Michael, surprises?
1: No, this is also old old news. Um, a lot of European companies have or European countries have been investigating Google for uh, its change in privacy policy that basically allows them to access uh, your use of all sorts of different Google products. And the Dutch data protection authority uh, recently held for the second time that this violated Dutch data protection law and it threatened to fine Google with uh, 18 million dollars if it doesn't uh, obtain the unambiguous consent of its users to this change in policy so uh, dog bites
0: man Europeans hate Google uh, it sounds like it uh, uh, alright here's a third uh, FCC to investigate Sprint for cramming uh, texts uh, down uh, their customers throats or allowing third parties to do that what's What's surprising here is that I thought the FCC and the FTC seemed to be both doing this uh, Uh, Jason, Stephanie, uh, 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 is this a sign of total dysfunction in the federal government, or do they know what each of them is doing?
3: Well, so far they seem to be working together, or at least uh, reaching settlements together. Uh, Sprint is the third of the four major carriers to face an investigation by both the FTC and the FCC for cramming Practices. Uh, I'm going to presume also state attorney generals are engaging in their mm-hmm. own investigations, just like they did um, with T-Mobile and AT&T previously in 2014. Both T-Mobile and AT&T reached global settlements with the FCC, FTC, and state attorney generals in the um, 90 million dollar range for T-Mobile and the 105 million dollar range for AT&T. Uh, looks like they're going along the same lines here with. Um, um, sprint. Uh, I think the question is whether to go Verizon. Um, I yeah, be surprised. that's right. They, they, they must be if, feeling a little lonely um, now. You know, um, unless their practices, you know, I'm not a, a Verizon customer, I can't speak to it, but unless their practices have differed substantially from their major competitors, I wouldn't be surprised to see a similar action. So,
0: uh, Jason, what does this mean for? Privacy, where we're also seeing some FCC-FTC overlap.
2: Well, there are two things I thought were interesting about it. First is it's another example of FCC and FTC both getting into sort of privacy-related issues in in the mobile world. Um, And I also thought it was uh, sort of a wake-up call for for mobile payment services for Google Wallet and Apple Pay and and other payment services that regulators, whether it's the FTC or FCC or both, are going to be policing the mobile payment space. Uh, and uh, and expecting those online payment services to have measures in place to protect their consumers from fraud, uh, uh, even if that fraud is committed by a third party.
0: I always thought that the the great advantage that the phone companies had and the great disadvantage they had is they could make you pay, uh, whereas the uh, credit card companies uh, really couldn't make you pay if you con- right. uh, uh, contested the charge. Uh, and you'd think that would be a great that would be great for revenue, but it produces this kind of litigation pretty regularly.
2: Well, you know, the, the other thing, Stuart, I think is interesting is, and this goes to, to what you uh, suggest in your question, that pretty much if you have an acronym, if your agency has an acronym, then and you have any foothold in data privacy, you're, you're, you're hanging on and you're, you're taking advantage of it. You have the FTC, you have the FCC, um, the SEC is not far behind. All the state AGs are treating this like low-hanging fruit.
0: And didn't I see the Consumer uh, Financial Protection yeah. Board was right. also in this?
2: Right. Yeah. Going after activity that took place before the agency existed.
0: All right, Department of Agriculture next. Uh, all right, here's one. Uh, 80% of DartNet traffic is people seeking child abuse sites. Uh, uh, I'll take this one just because I, this, is, this is unusual only in that there is a persistent, determined, uh, techno libertarian effort to deny that uh, Tor is mostly useful for criminals. Uh, and this guy who started out in that school uh, just. Uh, set up a bunch of relay stations and looked at where the traffic was going. turns out that most of the traffic was old, dead botnet uh, infections that were calling in, saying, uh, uh, what o- <coughs> orders do you have from me, master? And, of course, they weren't getting to the site because the site had been taken down. Uh, but if you washed all that out, then 83% of the traffic was going to uh, pedophile sites. Uh, uh, and something like one-tenth of 1% of the traffic was going to the uh, much-ballyhooed uh, whistleblower sites. Uh, um, so I I, I I have to say, the, the lesson here is uh, anonymity really is good for criminals and Pretty much nobody else. So.
2: You know, sir, I, I, I had a reaction to the story too. There were um, people from the tour network who were trying to question the validity of the numbers, and there certainly it's fair to say that it's impossible to say with specificity and complete accuracy what the percentage is. But whether it's eighty-three percent, sixty-three percent, or even forty-three percent, it's a it's a pretty big number. It's not, um, it's not a small number, and and I, I used to. Uh, I used to oversee the child exploitation section at DOJ, so I have a a personal interest and professional interest in this stuff. That These sites are not just places where people consume videos or pictures of child sex abuse. The demand for these images creates a market for more images, which creates uh, 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 an impetus for people to engage in more exploitation of children. So these are not by any means victimless crimes. These are crimes that fuel a market for more victims. Um, and uh, it 's interesting that people don 't react uh, as much to uh, the news that some of these tour sites are used for gambling or for drug dealing or weapons trafficking or other things that Silk road was was allegedly involved in but but if you care at all about children, which everybody does, this ought to be something that really gets your attention
0: yeah that's I, uh, which is why uh, the uh, techno libertarians hate this so much uh, they uh, uh, they just uh, reject the the idea and they say, oh, yeah, you're just rolling out uh, child abuse because uh, you hate freedom. I think that's uh, uh, the general view. All right. Um, here's one. German iron plant <coughs> suffers severe damage due to cyber attack. Uh, uh, this uh, this sounded like a big deal. Jim, I don't know if you saw that story. It was uh, in the journal. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, and it's behind a paywall. The good, the, the, the good story is behind a paywall, but there were some secondary stories. Um, it, it sounded,
4: it wasn't clear who atta- did the attack, right? Yeah, we don't know the motives. Uh, we don't know the outcome. They were able to do some damage. Uh, you can get access to the German firm that did the forensic report, and it's you know not. It Stuxnet is still at the top of the league. This was below it, but it was still pretty good stuff. Yeah, they they went into the, the Windows
0: network and they hopped to the industrial control yeah. system, and then they made the uh, uh, made it so the uh, some vast vat full of molten uh,
4: uh, metal couldn't shut down properly. Right. Yeah, that's one of the big myths is that control networks and the outward-facing Windows networks aren't connected, and they almost always are. So um be interesting to see if this one goes any further. So uh,
0: now it used to be it was a big deal when you found somebody was engaged in something other than espionage. It looks like that's going to be the uh, the theme of 2015, though.
4: Yeah, we'll find out.
0: Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, Here's one. NSA forced to spell out violations after a lawsuit. Uh, uh, I I have to say this is more of the same. uh, This is the result of a uh, data dump in response to FOIA uh, litigation in which uh, – NSA's own reports from their IG and their general counsel uh, identifying any uh, errors and violations of uh, uh, their policies uh, for the Intelligence Oversight Board were finally released in redacted form, Uh, but I didn't see anything in there that hadn't already been reported uh, uh, because it had already been summarized uh, in um, various uh, speeches and other disclosures by uh, um, by NSA. So I suspect that this is uh, just, uh, you know, the people who brought the FOIA suit uh, touting the fact that they, uh, they actually got some documents.
1: The redactions are so heavy that it's hard to know what's in those things. I mean, I, I looked at the first few pages and there was so little there that I didn't bother to look at the, the rest of the thousands of pages because it was, it was clear there was not, not going to be anything there to make it worthwhile reading. Somebody went through and
0: found a few of the stories of intentional violations by uh, um, people who were looking up their uh, uh, their girlfriend's uh, uh, contacts and the like. But we'd already heard those stories. Uh, all right. Try uh, this. This one, of course, is close to my heart. FBI investigates banks for revenge hacking of Iran. Uh, uh, Jason.
2: Well, this is something you and I have a, have a, a long time interest in. Um, so the FBI is looking into, reportedly looking into whether U.S. financial institutions engaged in hackback against websites uh, used by Iran to attack the banks uh, last year. And we talked uh, during our last episode of 2014 about the fact that there would be increasing pressure from private companies to take matters into their own hands in the face of destructive attacks like Sony's. Um, if the government was unable or unwilling to respond or at least unable to respond in a way the companies deemed to be prompt enough and, and effective enough, and I think that uh, it 's sort of poetic that that's the story comes out in the wake of sony and I, I, what I think you 'll see is um, the pressure 's not going down it 's only going up and, and I think it 's a real growth opportunity for offshore um, hackback companies or security companies to engage in activity that can be effectively walled off from the U.S.
0: I thought that an, was – and, and it, it, you it, since you were in charge of the CFAA at uh, one point, uh, I assume that if you uh, set up a company in Israel and it does all of its hacks aimed at non-U.S. sites uh, – uh, unless they, you know, are unlucky and route one of those attacks through the United States, there really isn't jurisdiction in the U.S., is there?
2: No, and, and, and you know, uh, at least not under any sort of reasonable theory. And, and I think what the, the government would have to look at is whether there was any um, sort of aiding and abetting or direction of that activity by the U.S. entity. So I look forward to the, you know, we joke all the time about the, my two worlds colliding, the, the data privacy and security world and the white-collar world, but I look forward to the opportunity to defend a U.S. company at some point that's accused of aiding and abetting hacking back by an Israeli entity.
0: I think, I, you know, if we, we, we should at least, or I should uh, uh, worry about aiding and abetting liability for these podcasts. Uh, I've been an enthusiast for this. Uh, uh, all I can say is come and get me, copper. Uh, they, they, this, is, this is crazy. Uh, um, uh, I, I was struck by the fact that apparently a lot of the uh, people who do attacks uh, of this kind uh, have uh, set up in Israel.
4: Yeah, the Israelis, and that's a signal for caution, because if the Israelis think it's a good idea, we might want to take a step down. <laughs> well, now we can, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't really change anything. I mean, it's cute, and maybe it makes you feel better to do this sort of hack back, but it doesn't really change anything for the better? Well, it, it, let me ask about that. What, what it looks like to
0: me is there were a bunch of DDoS, this was DDoS attacks on the banks, uh, and obviously the command and control and the DDoSing machines uh, can't completely be hidden. Uh, so it was possible to find the, uh, the command and control uh, machines, which were all over the world. Uh, and the U.S. started this laborious and, I thought, pretty ineffective effort to go talk to every government where there was a command and control machine and say, don't you think you ought to shut it down? And and that would start a long process that might result in the machine being shut down uh, from time to time. Uh, Not the most effective uh, response. Wouldn't it have been more effective just to say, yeah, we're going to take it down?
4: And so the next step is most of these opponents are state-sponsored, if not states. They have a lot of resources, and you haven't changed their motive. If anything, you've only annoyed them a little bit. So they'll just go and rebuild it and come back at you. And, you know, if I was a bank, I'm not sure I'd want the PLA or the Iranian Revolutionary Guard putting me on their hit list
0: well that's that 's a fair um, response, although really is that is that what it comes down to? We just hope that we can, that our banks can hide from uh, the pla because they can 't do anything to stop this uh, i 'm not sure that's that 's the right answer
4: I let the market sort this one out because there are companies that offer uh, technologies that prevent or stop denial of service attacks doesn 't involve hacking back. And that's a approach that's probably a little less risky than, than going after the command and control servers. Command and control isn't bad. It's just don't, don't expect to get a lot of positive results out of it.
0: Well, it, it, it's, it's a palliative, right? It, it will stop. The attacks for a while, and then they'll find new command and control servers.
4: It's a feel good. It's like sanctions against
0: North Korea.
3: <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh,
4: well, let's let's move on
0: to that one because huh? I I think that we can spend a big chunk of the uh, uh, afternoon on that. Uh, so we did put impose sanctions on North mm-hmm. Korea. Um, did you think there was anything in those sanctions that would deter Kim Jong Un for 20 minutes?
4: Yeah, I think you know he's, he's sitting on top of two different pyramids, and one is the formal state pyramid that uh, we all know about. The other one is the uh, illegal black market pyramid that funnels cash and luxury goods to him and his associates, and damaging that in any way is uh, probably more effective than going after the korean economy which is a elusive target because it's so small
0: but there are already sanctions on sending luxury goods this yeah. is global u.n sanctions on luxury goods to uh, uh uh to north korea i i know this because i uh, uh represented somebody who had sent uh, um uh jameson's whiskey to uh, <laughs> uh north korea and i I uh, had to argue to the uh, investigator who was a Brit uh, that, mm. well, you know, come on, it's Irish whiskey. It can't really be that much of a luxury good. Uh, uh, so it's not. Uh, these are sanctions on the intelligence service of North Korea. If we could find them to sanction them, we'd, we'd probably sanction them a little more creatively than cutting off their bank accounts, wouldn't so,
4: it? So my assumption is the North Koreans have... Uh, gotten away with this a few times in the past, right? And mainly against South Korean targets. And they probably underestimated the ability of the U.S. to um, strip away that cloak of covertness they thought they were hiding behind. And so the sanctions reinforce the message, uh, we can figure out it's you, you. Uh, don't do it again, and that's the most important message to get out.
0: I think this. that is. I, I I think you're right uh, uh, because they clearly were hoping to be covert and and right. to play this you know uh, uh, both ways. Uh, um, surprisingly, there's a whole bunch of Americans, including American security uh, experts, who are playing into the uh, North Korean. Uh, um, uh, efforts to be covert uh, um, basically saying well we don't think the FBI has a good case here for, for attribution uh, have
4: you kind of followed that uh, debate you know, the, you know we were talking a little bit earlier about attribution and uh uh, identification on the internet, and how one of the sort of received bits of wisdom is that this ability to um, be anonymous or pseudonymous on the internet is uh, is beneficial in some way. And I've always had my doubts about it. Um, it's a good thing to debate, but to, in the same way, uh, we're seeing a, a similar notion where anyone who has a keyboard and an internet connection can now be an expert. Right yeah and they can be an expert on anything they want to be an expert on. Um, the difficulty here uh, is really the role of the u s government, and that 's what 's driving these people i don 't know maybe if the Vatican had come out and said that it was uh, the North Koreans, uh, they would have been less upset no I, I think you're absolutely right I, I, uh, One of the things that 's actually
0: uh, educational is to to take the name of the alleged cybersecurity expert and put it into Google and then add Snowden. Uh, and almost oh, that's every, so mean. <laughs> almost every one of them has said nice things about Snowden, which implies that they have uh, a relatively low opinion of the value yeah. of U.S. national but, security. But
4: it also suggests that they didn't actually read Snowden. Who can blame them? There was right. so much stuff. Because the issue here is what we used to call uh, NTM, National Technical Means for Intelligence Collection, which uh, are uh, clandestine. Right, And it's very difficult for the U.S. to come out and say, we have national technical means that allow us to positively identify North Korea as responsible. And we're not going to tell you what they are. And, of course, that sets all these people up in a churn. They have no idea how espionage works. They have no idea about what NTM is. And so I'm tired of people telling me that there's two different flavors of Korean. There's North Korean and South Korean, and the the two are not intelligible to each other. The the only dilemma I have with that, which is one of the popular memes out there, is no Korean has ever said this to me. Right. So lots of evidence in the echo chamber of the Internet and a lot of conspiracy theory and a lot of distrust of the U.S. government. That's why we're seeing all this nonsense
0: yeah, I, uh, I I have to say I found it uh, uh, remarkably, um, uh, su- surprisingly loud uh, and utterly inconsistent, right? Well, first we were told, well, these guys must be Russian speakers, and then we've identified them by, by name as individual uh, insiders, none of whom spoke Russian. Uh, it, 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 everybody is just, well, I, I guess it is good publicity, right? Uh, if you can suddenly you've got a whole bunch of reporters who don't much like the U.S. government either who are happy to describe you as a cybersecurity expert if you will say something bad about the U.S. government.
4: And in the um, the continuing the theme of anonymity lets you say things that are you wouldn't say if you were attributed to those remarks. Um, The Internet lets you be an expert on things you don't know anything about, like technical intelligence. Um, There's also very little accountability. So you can say a dumb thing, and a year later, uh, no one will say, hey, wait a minute, didn't you make a dumb prediction before? So this is cost-free for these guys. I'm a little disappointed, though, because, as you know, Sony made the movie series Men in Black. Yes. And so one option for which there is as much evidence as insiders or hacktivists is that it was space aliens who were offended by Sony's portrayal of them. And I, no one has come out and said that yet, but I'm sure it's next in the queue. They were going to say that, but that light went off <laughs> and they forgot it.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it, 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 it's a new... Um, uh, market for grassy knoll conspiracy theories. Yeah. We will always have people saying, oh, look, this is really, uh, this is the truth about nine eleven, and now it's the truth about the North Korean attacks. Uh, yeah. uh, but I, I do think, you know, the fact is the, the U.S. government was much faster to attribute this one than they were when the Chinese were doing espionage attacks.
4: Well, uh, to publicly uh, attribute, in some ways the uh, indictments were an icebreaker because it sort of let the cat out of the bag that since really about um, 2012, uh, we've crossed some threshold that let us be much better at attributing uh, to the point of having photos in some cases. Uh, that's why I don't have a, a camera on my computer. Um, I think that's what's changed is that starting about eight years ago, Um, The U.S. put a large effort into improving its ability to attribute. The intent was this would somehow increase uh, deterrence. And we'll see if that works. But the idea is um, we know who did it, so don't think you're going to get away with it. Um, And it's paid off, right? It paid off probably starting a couple years ago.
0: Yeah. It it clearly looks as though there's a a lot more uh, capability there. I think we've got more capability just the forensics uh yeah uh, you know you can it's y- yes in theory you could try to um frame the North Koreans for this by uh, running everything through a Korean language compiler and only working Korean business hours uh, uh, and using only tools that the Koreans were thought to have used. But that's a lot of work and somebody has to really want to frame the
4: Koreans. There's a positive side to this story. This is all the reasons why it didn't make sense. There's a positive side about why you could uh, confirm it was North Koreans. and That's probably some of the Classified NTN discussions mm-hmm. that we're not going to have, I hope, ever, and that then these people will be unsatisfied. And sorry, life's tough. So some of, there was some overlap with Shamoon, which I
0: thought had been attributed to the Iranians. Uh, and that raises the question whether the uh, Koreans are working with the Iranians on this as well as on their nuclear uh, program, which, as I remember, they, they right. have been exchanging
4: uh, data on. There's two possibilities. The first is that the uh, Koreans obtained uh, Shimoon or some shamoon precursor. Uh, from the black market, which is yes. possibly what the Iranians did. The other possibility is that they have worked with Iran as they have done WMD, and I like that hypothesis, but there's no evidence yet to confirm it. Right, right.
0: Uh, uh, well, uh, we'll just wait for the speech where uh, President Obama calls it an axis of evil. <laughs> like we can wait a long time for that <laughs> one. Uh, axis, <laughs> if
2: there's only two of them.
0: <laughs> Yeah, I think so, right? I guess so. Was, in fact, that's I kind of think it's hard wasn't to have that a access Jimmy with Hendrix three, song? right?
2: Yeah. Well, President Bush thought that you could have an access with three.
0: That's true. I guess that's right. Uh, uh, and I guess that was it was Italy and Germany mm, and, right. so uh, and Japan. Japan. Uh, uh, Japan. Uh, uh, so, um, if sanctions, if the sanctions are more symbolic than than real, uh, and the president has said he's going to do something proportionate.
4: We haven't gotten a proportionate yet, have we? If you remember uh, with the Iranian uh, activities in, against banks, it took the U.S. really a couple months to come out and uh, say what they do in response. And uh, in this case, it's been a little quicker because we've we've been through the jail, We have right. doctrine. We have policy. Um, but the, the show is not over. And I think the main goal, which they could do a little more to reinforce, is to signal the North Koreans and the world, um, don't assume that you're going to get away with this. Don't assume we won't know who it is. Uh, don't assume you can take this risk. Right. And so getting opponents to change their risk calculations is the real goal here, not, not punishing, you know, denying ex- Cuban cigars to Kim Jong-un. So um, let me roll
0: through a, a, some ideas for uh, more out-of-the-box um, uh, sanctions. Uh, cutting off North Korea's Internet it's already happened once. Do you do you think that uh, that's something that would be a reasonable and proportionate response?
4: Um, how much do you want to irritate the Chinese?
0: Um, some. <laughs> uh, this is happening uh, from Chinese soil. A lot of it. Uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, they ought to own it. Uh, uh, if if they if they were putting. Um, Artillery emplacements in their on their soil, so that uh, uh, they could fire on American ships or on uh, uh, South Korean ships, we would take it amiss uh, uh, in fact okay uh, let me let me ask a tougher one if, if you 're willing to piss off the chinese uh, um, How about you take out the hotel out of which the uh, North Koreans are supposedly uh, carrying out a lot of this? In China, uh, or or big chunks of the internet in that city, which would certainly stop the South Korean, uh, the North Korean hacking,
4: but would have
0: collateral consequences for a whole bunch of Chinese.
4: One of the things this is why you can't depend on Google. Uh, if you if you Googled it, you would assume that the U.S. and China haven't been talking about cybersecurity since the indictments. That's not true there's been uh, probably four meetings mm. and so uh not in the working group but in at the edge of other meetings in 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 private sessions so we're still talking to the chinese about what to do before we did something unilaterally i'd want to say hey guys uh, how do you think we should respond they're not pleased with their pet um mm. they're exasperated by it and the pet has put them in a very awkward spot but they uh They are not yet willing to um, come out and say what they know about North Korea. They may not know anything, but they haven't been as cooperative as they could be. But since we're talking to them, I'd want to see how far we could get That does make sense.
0: Uh, You're right. um, uh, North Korea is constantly... Creating problems for them and almost never producing anything useful for them uh, and and uh, oddly I, I get the sense that uh, um, they 're being blackmailed by North Korea too, with the prospect of a complete collapse of the regime and a flood of refugees uh, and a uh, forced reunification with the South that the South dominates, all of which is bad from a Chinese yeah. point of view
4: yeah though they 're in a bad spot uh, i 've had Chinese officials tell me. Several times that uh, I underestimate how crazy the North Koreans are, and what a pain in the neck they are, so yeah. not happy with their pet, but you know look, they gave them the hotel they could they could kick
0: them out too uh, and uh, they can't they can 't conduct attacks on the rest of the world from Chinese soil without the Chinese knowing it uh, and letting it happen
4: yeah let 's see what happens i this hasn 't played out, so hopefully you know the Internet experts can uh, take a rest now and go off and be wrong about something else. And let's see how they can do tour. (laughs) They can do, uh, I don't know, any number of things.
1: It's an interesting question, how far we're willing to go to punish the North Koreans. But to me, the more interesting and more difficult question is, how far are we we willing to go to um, punish the Chinese for their hacking into U.S. systems? And how far are we willing to go to, to punish and try to deter the Russians? I mean, those two countries are far more capable of responding to our response in a way that hurts us. And so I think, ironically, you end up in a situation where China, you know, is engaged in far more hacking against us than the North Koreans are and doing far more damage by stealing proprietary information and implanting malware in our systems. And it's not clear that we're really doing much in response at all. I mean, maybe Jim's aware of stuff that, that, that I'm not aware of since... He's privy to sources inside the government that I'm no longer privy to. But, you know, it it seems that we end up in this paradox where the worst offenders get off scot-free, and it's the little guys that get uh, thrown in cyber jail.
4: I don't depend on any U.S. sources for this. I depend on Chinese sources. And what they would say is, what they have said to me repeatedly is, what are you guys complaining about? You're all over our networks. And unfortunately, it's true. What I usually say back to them is, if you buy that pirated software, why are you surprised? But their answer would be, um, you know, it's a two-way street. And I've been in meetings where U.S. officials have said that to them. Espionage is a two-way street. Uh, we spy on you, you spy on us. There's things we'd like you to pull back, the commercial espionage, but we recognize that a great power, as a great power, um, you're gonna spy on us, and we're gonna spy on you. So I think the real issue for me is, what are the trades? Are there things that we could, uh, give up? The Chinese, they were talking about a completely different mm-hmm. thing, but they're in a, they're in a difficult spot because to the extent that a lot of this is driven by the PLA, PLA party relations aren't so good at the moment, and it's a money maker for the PLA. They, these guys are not doing it for national security.
0: So you think they're selling this information to the competitors of U.S. companies?
4: Think is not the right word. Okay, No is the right word. Right. right.
0: I guess we've we've seen some some conversations yeah. where people talk about <clears throat> what yeah. they were able to, what they were able to sell the Joint Strike Fighter uh, uh, plants for, if I remember right.
4: My my current favorite is still uh, White House paint which an American company had a really whippy White House paint formula uh, stolen by the PLA and sold to a Chinese paint company, right, that's now making a competing product in China, eating into the U.S. company's market share. Well, the PLA made money off that, so we're asking President Xi to go to the PLA and say, I want you guys to stop making money, right? Always a difficult line. Their army is not like our army, right? They do things that would make perfect sense in a Southeast Asian context, wouldn't make any sense here in the U.S.
0: But surely, I mean, she is um, making a big deal out of fighting corruption. This is a form of corruption. They're taking money from the private sector to use yeah. government resources to help one guy. Uh, I, and so it is a form of corruption if he chose to tr- treat it
4: as such. It, it is a form of corruption. But as far as I can tell, and I'm not a China expert his uh anti corruption moves are driven by a political agenda. Yeah, yeah.
0: He wants to get rid of the guy who ran the Interior Ministry and he's doing that,
4: right. And so picking a fight with the PLA is probably not at the top of his uh political agenda to do list. Right. Um it, a lot depends on how we respond, but you know, a good way to start in response to Mike's question is to say, you know, where's the give and take here? What would we be willing to say um we won't do uh, that we're doing now. There may not be anything. Our, our position is everything we do is legal and it's right and God is on our side, so therefore you guys should just suck it up. And oddly enough, that doesn't, that doesn't have a lot of appeal in the rest of the world.
0: Well, if we could find a way to cost them money when they engage in commercial espionage, uh, yeah.
1: uh,
0: we'd at least be talking in the same terms
4: as they are when they decide to do it. Uh, Uh, And that's not impossible. If I remember correctly, nobody forced China to sign up to the WTO and TRIPS, and there probably are things we could do in that context that we have not explored. So i go after this as a trade issue and say, spying, we get it, everybody does it, but house paint, come on. Well, you know, the house paint
0: company wants to sell that stuff someplace other than China, I assume. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if you can... uh, uh, Manage to uh, uh, prevent them from selling it outside of China because they have violated trips, then you're going to cost them a boatload, right? Right.
4: Their theory is that we're so big uh, we can get away with it, and um, that is the theory that they're going to test. Uh, the one I'm really interested in, though, is that a lot of the movies you see come out of Hollywood are very quickly pirated in China. So will they? what's the name of this movie, The Announcement, The Incest? The Interview. The Interview. <laughs> you know, will they pirate The Interview and show it in China? Waiting to see if that happens. Yes. Well, I, I, I noticed what that. But I want to know, cool. is, Go ahead. What,
1: what is so special about this shade of white that it's such a moneymaker? I mean, there are already about a thousand different shades of white in, in the various uh, paint company portfolios.
4: I think it's durability, that it lasts longer or something, but uh, uh, you'd have to ask the company that made it. Yeah, my memory
0: on this is that titanium dioxide is the source of a lot of white stuff, uh, and it's a remarkably uh, high-tech chemical, uh, uh, which can vary in a lot of ways depending on how you put it together. So uh, trade secrets around titanium dioxide are very sensitive. I uh, I will I will uh point out that while we're on uh, uh the piracy uh, mode that uh, I proposed almost immediately <clears throat> after this that one it was the North Koreans and two uh, uh Sony should uh uh release copies, DVDs of the interview from balloons over Pyongyang Uh, it turns out some South Korean has announced he's going to do exactly that uh, it it is uh, life imitating op-eds which doesn't happen very often in my experience
4: I still would have gone with Team America. The Hans Brick scenes are priceless. Yeah, it, it's true. Uh, unfortunately, uh, has, has anybody here
0: seen uh, the interview?
2: I have. Since our last broadcast, I saw both Annie and the interview. And <laughs> oh my I goodness! You. And, and you
0: like Annie, tell so tell you, my, so
2: your standards are so low already. <laughs> my daughter danced out of the theater for Annie. Um, I fell asleep partly through the interview and had to be woken up by my wife. But this it was is, this
0: is Jason. I should uh, say. <laughs> yeah,
2: uh, Team America is a far better movie, and I think would be um, would be a better. Drop, airdrop, airdrop then uh, than the interview. Yeah, I
0: don't
1: I, you I, also I'm have worried, to uh, don't you also have to airdrop the DVD player? I mean, <laughs>
0: apparently they have DVDs now, uh, uh, DVD players. Uh, for some reason, uh, China. Part- Trade with China. Yeah, that's probably exactly yeah. right. Uh,
2: oh, the oh, the short I've said a number of times, and, and now I, I can say with confidence, having seen the interview, that I that Kim Jong Il's treatment by Thirty Rock was still be, uh, worse than uh, Kim Jong Un's treatment in the interview.
0: Yeah, I, I got the the sense that Kim Jong Un didn't actually come off that bad in the thing. He died, but, right? Uh, other than that, uh, uh, they really didn't do justice to what an appalling thug he is. Right. So. Um, Let's, let's let's talk a little bit about China cuz I I uh, wanted to uh to ask you about where China is on cyber war doctrine, their relationships with the U.S. on these things. I mean, uh, the, we've announced all these uh, red lines about things you shouldn't do, do and it's, it's, it's like a list of... a shopping list for the North Koreans and the Iranians. They say, oh, that's what the Americans don't want us to do. Let's do some of that. You know, attack banks, uh, uh, attack companies, destroy data. Um, it makes me wonder... Uh, whether we're making any progress with anybody on uh, our efforts to bring law to to cyber war.
4: The dilemma there is still recovery from the Snowden leaks, which uh, damaged the U.S. ability to come out and say, uh, we're the good guys, they are the bad guys. But I do think we're making progress. The Chinese are still in this funny mode when you talk to them. They say, we don't want to talk about cyber war because the Internet should be a zone of peace. And well, That the, sounds like Jane Lute. She, she had an op-ed that said pretty much the same Zone thing. of peace? It's a, it's, a, it's a place where we shop and learn, and it shouldn't be as a war zone, so yeah. you know, give DHS all the uh, authority. That was one of the funnier conversations I've seen with uh, Chinese officials, which is they said, uh, we can't talk about military doctrine because China doesn't have one. And uh, somebody said, um, uh, okay, so you guys think we spy on you, and we do. So therefore, why are you telling us stuff that we know isn't true? After that, we could talk about military doctrine. But they're still on this kick of uh, zone of peace. Don't want to go too far in normalizing the idea of conflict. That said, uh, they have bought into the idea of norms, and they have picked up that language and are taking it in their own direction. But the idea that you have norms that govern how cyberspace works sort of is a, a global. Um, the Russians say it, the Chinese say it, everybody says it now. What those norms look like, there's some places where everyone agrees: nuclear power plants probably a bad target, and there's other places where they don't. But it's it's under negotiation now under discussion. And cyber is not an independent thing that exists out there. So you've got Crimea complicating this. Right. You've got Korea. You've got all sorts of things that make this a hard hard discussion. So I mean I I, I find it
0: I, this is probably my prejudice to, about mm-hmm. the law of armed conflict generally. Uh, implausible that uh, the, uh, any serious military thinker in China or Russia would say, oh, let's not do these things because the United States thinks there's a norm against it. Uh, uh, if the United States thinks there's a norm against it, it's because we're afraid of it. And if we're afraid of it, why wouldn't they do it?
4: Um, good question. Uh the theories will eventually convert them. I think there's some chance of that. Uh, but if we did it right now, I mean, Chinese doctrine does not put civilian targets at the top of their list. They're going to go after command and control, weapon systems. Um, They're going to look for military advantage in a conventional conflict. But a conventional conflict is not
0: the most plausible uh, uh, thing for an outbreak of uh, cyber sabotage. Uh, As the uh, North Koreans have demonstrated, you can have a big impact and and achieve quite a bit of your goals, especially if you're better at hiding yourself, Uh, uh, by going after one company, a few individuals. uh, you can make a, uh, a, people's lives hell if they continue to criticize you for something, and after a while they just stop criticizing you.
4: The second conversation I ever had with the Chinese on cybersecurity um, opened with uh, one of their officials saying, relatively senior officials saying, um, one thing you don't have to worry about is the China hacking Wall Street because we've just got too much money in it to, to risk it going down. So I think that kind of interdependence is something they think about a lot.
0: Yeah. That, that. Yes, unless you can make money off the 24 hours when the system is down, which you probably can, right?
4: That, that sounds more like the Russians. <laughs> yes, well, maybe so. <laughs> uh, so
0: do you think they have a cyber war doctrine then? That, oh, sure. Uh, yeah. and, and it's it's reasonably straightforward when we're, we're yeah. attacking our... Opponents, uh, essentially smart weapons and uh, uh, net-centric warfare. Yeah,
4: sure. No, they have. Uh, if you're talking about our publications guiding the Chinese, whenever people publish that, uh, what was it, uh, air-sea battle stuff?
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, it was basically a, a targeting list for the Chinese about all the weapon systems they should break into, and they managed to break into, I think, to almost all of them. So, you no, know, they're looking at. Here's how the U.S. fights war. How do we degrade it in a way that will let us achieve limited objectives? This this isn't going to be a replay of uh, Pearl Harbor and Midway.
0: Right. Uh, I think I, I, after uh, Sony, I said, we've been waiting for digital Pearl Harbor, mm-hmm. and what we're getting is a whole bunch of uh, uh, digital Sudetenlands uh, mm-hmm. uh, as people pare away little pieces and say, you don't really want to fight over that, do you? Uh, and I think that that is a, a, a wiser strategy.
4: The most important thing that executives might want to learn from the Sony incident is to ask themselves um, – how would I feel if this email appeared on the front page of the New York Times? And I think that's, that's what I've taken away. We, of course, have known this right, from girl. our unhappy federal experiences. <laughs> but I think for the corporate world, you're not going to be writing the stuff that people are writing anymore if you have, if you have a brain.
0: I, I think that's right. You know, and I think it's fair to start asking the question how bad was this really for Sony? I mean, it was obviously traumatic uh, and painful, and they may yet lose a CEO over it, uh, uh, just as H.B. Gary did. But uh, one of the lessons is uh, companies tend to sacrifice the guy at the top who got the bad press and move on largely unaffected by these
4: attacks. Yeah, I think that. Uh that's the most likely outcome you know that um it, it, i looked at the list of movies of annie didn't they leak annie and i thought oh who cares who's going to go see annie anyhow apparently i'm wrong there but you know, there's a limited amount of damage you can do with these things and sony probably needs to think a little bit more about damage control uh they need to think a little bit more about how they reassure their their clients and customers but uh, i don't think this was that big a deal interesting Uh, and so
0: what's,
4: now that we have
0: seen what you can do, the North Koreans, uh, we can thank for that. And we have some idea of what the, uh, Chinese doctrine is in this area. We've seen what the Russians do. what is the U.S. counter strategy other than uh, if I just if I were just more secure, I'd be fine, uh, it, uh, which strikes me as not not really getting us very far.
4: Well, the people to worry about are the Iranians because they have probed critical infrastructure, and China and Russia are pretty sophisticated when it comes to calculating risk. And you know, absent some larger conflict, they're not going to do anything. I don't feel as comfortable saying that about the the Iranians, right? Right. They're good at calculations, but they're not perfect. Um, maybe they, you know, you could see them waking up in a bad mood one day. So, well, they're, they're the biggest country for whom terrorism
0: has turned out to be a remarkably effective yeah. uh, uh, instrument of, of
4: foreign policy. So, I think they're the ones to the North Koreans uh, improving rapidly, and if there is a connection between them and the Iranians. We could face two opponents who are very difficult to manage and could launch truly damaging cyber attacks. Um, our response has been to uh, utter threats you know do this and you'll pay um, we don't really have that many other tools right
0: and and their response to that has been to to slice the She's thin, right? Right. Uh, We'll only attack your banks on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays for two hours at a time. We'll see what you do about that. Oh, nothing? Maybe it'll be four next time. Uh, Or we'll we'll pretend to be the GOP when we attack uh, uh, Sony. uh, uh, And if all you do is sanction our uh, reconnaissance bureau, uh, uh, maybe we'll do it again.
4: Unfortunately, this isn't a chess match where... You know, we uh, checkmated everybody at the end of uh, 2000, and U.S. forces were um, unbeatable, right? Right. And they didn't say, "Okay, game over, we're going home." What they said is, "Okay, round two of the game." Yeah. let How, think of a how, way how, to how get do we beat this. that? No, yeah. that's and you can. And that's where we are.
0: Yeah. So I, I I often tell the story of what it must have been like to be at the PLA after the first Gulf War. Oh yeah. When you saw the army that you would have deployed just totally wasted right. uh, uh, by intelligence-enabled uh, warfare. And they have completely transformed that, both dramatically increasing the capability of their forces and also uh, leaving us with some doubts about whether netcentric warfare is really the future.
4: Yeah. And the Iranians, the North Koreans, uh, somewhat unique. What they're gambling on is the U.S. isn't going to want to start a war with them. And that gives them a level of provocative activity that they think they can get away with. And the administration's job is to remind people the level of provocative activity that we will accept is probably lower than they think.
0: Uh, But what are we going to do? We're not going to nuke them, hopefully. Uh, Hopefully we don't have to. Uh, We talked about uh, um, uh, some of the things that could be done against North Korea. What about uh, draining bank accounts of sanctioned entities? Uh, uh, That's always been a red line for the U.S., uh, but uh, the North Koreans have cheerfully crossed it. Uh, so maybe, uh, uh, and the Iranians too, so maybe we should be giving up on the idea that our staying our hand is going to keep banks safe.
4: Now now you're asking how much we want to irritate the Swiss, which is a, a different question. <laughs> oh, there's really no end yeah. to my willingness yeah. to irritate the Swiss. Yeah, okay. So that's what you've got to ask is, um, we probably won't do much more until we're driven to it. That's just how democracies work. Uh, The question is whether uh, countries like Iran and North Korea learned enough from this experience that they'll be a little more cautious in the future. That doesn't mean that they won't one day decide that their political calculation says it's a good time to attack critical infrastructure in the U.S. I think that's still a risk.
0: So let me ask you the last question uh, that, that occurred to me as I was thinking about this over the weekend. Uh, do you think uh, it, it increasingly we face a, a world in which everyone wants to restrict what is said to Americans and influence what is said to Americans? That's what, that's what the Sony attack in part is about. Uh, that's what the right to be forgotten is about. Do you think that uh, there's room for legislation that says, if you're an American company and you're providing, you know, you're, you're talking to the American people, uh, uh, and some foreign government tells you if you don't change your message, you will be punished, uh, should there be a mechanism forcing companies to tell the U.S. government about that extortion? Because otherwise, uh, this is a this is a growth field for foreign governments.
4: Mike, haven't we seen this movie a couple times? Wasn't it Yahoo in China and uh, what? early part of the century? I can't remember. I feel like I've seen this one before.
1: Yeah, no, it seems like it comes up again and again. Same questions.
4: And so maybe the answer is uh, I don't know if we need a law, but what you... a law that says you can't do it, what we might need is a a mechanism to ensure transparency because I think the companies are punished when it turns out they're doing this kind of stuff. And Um, A little more sprightly debate with the Europeans on right to be forgotten would probably not be a bad idea. I I think we're uh, afraid to do that while we're still in the middle of trade negotiations. We'll
0: always be in negotiations. They they, they want the negotiations more than they want the deal.
4: Yeah, the European concepts of uh, privacy really, um, they hope it will drive the world to a new place, and I think they're (laughs) pretty much an outlier. So the question is how do we get the Europeans to be a little more... Uh, sane, uh, that's a real challenge.
0: Yeah, I, 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 I you know, uh, we talked about our uh, Dog Bites Man story at the beginning. They, they they, hate Google because Google represents the Internet, and they really hate the Internet, too.
4: Well, they can't figure out how it works, and so they keep, you know, they keep saying we want to be the world's most innovative economy by, uh, the last one was 2011. Ah, oh, missed that one, sorry. <laughs> uh, and you say to them, I understand your concerns about privacy, and I understand being upset with Google, but um, maybe the regulations you've put in place have killed innovation on the Internet in Europe. You used to have IT companies. Now you don't. Is there a connection? Boy, they don't want to talk about that one. No.
0: All right. Uh, I promised uh, we'd get you out of here in 50 minutes, and I think we have. Uh, uh, so, uh, Jim Lewis, uh, thank you very thank much. You. Michael Vadas, uh, thank you for uh, participating. Uh, Jason Weinstein, Stephanie uh, uh, Roy, uh, it's been a pleasure uh, uh, to have you all here. Uh, as a reminder, the Steptoe uh, Cyber Law podcast is now open to feedback. Uh, we'd like your thoughts on whether we're too, uh, going on too long, going on, uh, uh, cutting it too short, uh, suggestions for interview candidates, uh, topics uh, uh, that we ought to cover. Uh, send them to cyberlawpodcast at steptoe.com. Or if you want to leave a message we can play on the air, uh, uh, try 202 862 5785. This has been F- Episode 48 of the Stepto Cyberlaw Podcast, brought to you by Steptoe and Johnson. Next week should be a lot of fun. We're going to be joined by Lieutenant General Edward Carden of the uh, U.S. Army Cyber Command, uh, and then uh, later in the new year, Becky Richards, Re- Richards from the NSA Privacy Office will be coming on. We hope you'll join us as we once again provide insights into the latest events in technology, security, privacy, and government.